How's everybody doing this morning? Not going to lie, sometimes I make transitions awkward. I should have gotten up a lot sooner, and I did not, and uh, so I apologize for that. Um, Hey, uh, we are going to wrap up our series today talking about attention. Uh, So in week one, uh, three weeks ago, uh, we, we started out by talking about how our attention is incredibly, incredibly valuable. And so uh, even, even to the point where our attention is uh, monetarily uh, valued at $815 a day uh, that is being spent actively on capturing and holding your attention. And so uh, advertisers, marketers are spending that amount of money every single day to capture your attention. Why? Because your attention is incredibly value, valuable and they know that if they can get a hold of your attention, they're going to get your money, right? That's like a a thing that is just true. And because our attention is so valuable to marketers, we talked about the fact that if our job as followers of Jesus is to uh, be bringing heaven to earth, that perhaps God would say, hey, you think of this as like $815 worth of uh, a day uh, worth of value. But uh, the reality is, it's actually far more valuable than that. If our job is actually to be bringing heaven to earth, then how much more important is our attention? How much more valuable is our attention? So week one, we said, inattention to our attention will lead to distraction from the life that we were created and designed for. Another way to say that would be, if you don't manage your attention, somebody else will, and bad news Somebody else already is. Lots of people are trying to manage and manipulate your attention. Last week, we talked about how worry is something that co-ops our attention and and keeps our attention focused on things that maybe we wouldn't actually want to be focused on in light of um, what it is that uh, we want our lives to become. And so uh, we we talked about the fact that, man, when we we get really keyed in on worry, uh, it kind of comes back to two primary things, right? The first being, will I have enough? And the second being, am I enough? And those two worries, if we allow them to, will pervade in our lives. And rather than actually living the life that we would like to live, the life that we are designed to live, we will actually uh, end up living a life that, that we don't want. Um, and so um, this week, we're going to jump in and we're going to talk about everyone's favorite subject in church, money. Right? So we've locked the doors. You can't get out. You're going to have to stick around whether you want to or not. Uh, I'm just kidding. If you're here for the first time or you're not a follower of Jesus or you're trying to figure out what it is that you believe about Jesus, about the church, and you're, you know, really trying to feel out, like, hey, is the foundry a church for me? Like, hopefully today is not going to freak you out at all. We're going to talk about money from a very different perspective than maybe you've experienced money talked about in church before. And so, uh, so hopefully at the end, uh, you won't be heading for the door because uh, of how we've talked about money. Um, but uh, we're, we're going to jump in and, and talk about money because the truth is money actually dictates what we think about quite a lot. Um, can we turn me down just a little bit? I'm getting like a crazy amount of reverb up here. Sorry. Um, all right. So there was a study that was done recently that showed that the average American spends about 1.9 hours a day worrying about money. So just shy of 14 hours a week we spend worrying about money. And, you know, I don't know about you, but money can easily co-opt my attention. It's a thing that, like, we are constantly thinking about because it's how we survive. It's how we live. It's how we do the things we want to do in life. 
In 2010, a guy named Kevin Kelly published a, an article on the MIT Technology Review that was titled this, Money Follows Attention Eventually. Money follows attention eventually. And in it, he detailed the different ways that advertisers uh, have attempted to and have successfully captured our attention because if they can do so, then they can separate us from our money, right? That's the whole idea behind that is that they're going to make money off of getting a hold of our attention. Now, this is in 2010. So social media is still relatively new at this point. It's really kind of just getting started. Facebook and Twitter at that point have only been around for a few years. Instagram was started in 2010. Google's been around for a little while, since 1998, but they really only got traction a few years before 2010. And so search has been like seen to be like a really awesome, like new kind of place where people can start to capture attention from, uh, you know, people who are jumping on the internet and everything. Um, and, and Kelly's whole point in this uh, article that he published was the opportunity or the potential opportunity that he saw for advertisers to capture far, far more attention through social media. And this is in, in 2010. And now we know the effects of that are radical, that the attention market has become an incredibly, incredibly um, sought-after thing. And, you know, we know 815 bucks a day is being spent on capturing and holding our attention. And the reality is, with all of that money being spent on it, with all of the focus on uh, capturing attention, um, money actually is something that still seems to be uh, on our uh, minds quite a lot. And it has the ability to kind of derail us from the life that God created and designed us to live if we don't think about it correctly. Jesus talks about money a lot. In fact, it's one of the subjects he spent the most time uh, talking about. And today we're going to look at a passage uh, where uh, he is addressing money and uh, he's telling us how to think about it and why it's so important that we actually think about the way we think about money. Um, and so we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 through 21. Uh, this passage comes directly before the passage that we looked at last week. So this is inside of what's called the Sermon on the Mount, which is uh, a collection of teachings of Jesus from uh, Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7. And in this, Jesus is teaching people what it means to follow him, what it means to be uh, human, and how to, uh, how to love God uh, and, and, and live, really. And so Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 19 through 20, Jesus is going to talk about money. And then uh, our passage from last week about worry was, uh, comes right after that. So, you know, in Jesus' teaching, I'm, we're doing it backwards a little bit, but Jesus is kind of like, hey, more money, more problems. It's kind of like, you know, the flow of his message. We're going we're gonna to land on money instead of starting there. But uh, it's definitely a thing that he recognized was on our hearts and on our minds um, as humans. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, it says this. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, what's Jesus saying here? Verses 19 and 20, he starts out by, by saying, hey, don't bank on stuff, right? Like, don't, 
don't lean your life against stuff. And the question we have to ask is like, what does he actually mean by that? What does he mean by don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth? Is he like, hey, like you just shouldn't have anything. You should never uh, have anything. You should just constantly be thinking about like the future of heaven, this ethereal thing that's going to come one day. Don't, don't spend any time or attention on what's going on today. Just focus on the future. Or is he saying more than that? And I don't know about you, but if you've done any time in church, I've, I've heard that. Like that, that we're supposed to like just be thinking about heaven one day, someday. But if that's true, it's kind of contradictory to the way Jesus actually lived, right? Like Jesus spent a lot of his time with people. He spent a lot of his time taking care of people's physical needs, healing people, providing food for them, just hanging out with them and being in relationship with them. And so is it possible that Jesus is actually saying something more here? That he's saying, hey, it's not, it's not a bad thing to be invested in the physical, in the present, uh, in, in what, what we see around us presently. We just need to make sure that, that the ways in which we're doing that are the right ways. He's not saying don't think about this life, only think about the one to come. He's saying invest in things that matter. Invest in things that last throughout all eternity. He's saying invest in things that bring heaven to earth now. Invest in things. Give your attention to things that bring heaven to earth. So how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we invest in things that actually bring heaven to earth? How do we store up treasures in heaven now? And the reality is, what Jesus is talking about is investing in people. He's talking about investing in things that are going to last, the relationships that are going to last. And then Jesus goes on and he says this thing that is misinterpreted in the church so, so often. He says this thing about money, and it's easy to think that he's saying the opposite of what he's actually saying. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I don't know about you, but if I just listened to that verse, and for a long time, when I, when I heard that verse or read that verse, I always just thought it meant that, like, hey, what you care about, that's what you're going to put your money toward. But that's not what Jesus is saying here, is it? Jesus is saying, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. What's your heart? Your heart is what you care about. What you spend your time and attention and effort and energy on. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Now, this may sound like an incredibly simplistic look at, at this verse, but the reality of it is, like, it's true. Like, I, I've experienced this in my life. That where I invest my dollars, my heart goes in that direction. My heart just naturally kind of goes in that direction. I'll give you what's going to seem like maybe a little bit of a cheesy example. But um, for a long time, you know, television was like a thing that happened, you know, for a period of time, once a week every other, you know, or every day, that kind of thing. Like, you know, if you were into, like, Seinfeld Friends, that sitcoms, that type of thing, you have, like, every day from 5.30 to 6, we're going to watch, you know, whatever 
I think Friends was later than that. But um, anybody have like like a recollection of that? My kids have no clue what I'm talking about. They're like, no, TV is a thing that you go to and you turn on and like, or you go on your phone and you just watch whatever you want and you can watch as much of it as you want. Like it's just there. I'm like, no, that's not that's not how it used to be. It used to be that if you missed it, you missed it, and you could like wait to buy the VHS version of it when it came out, or the, you know, binge it on DVD later on, or whatever. You know, go to Blockbuster and rent it, whatever. But like, if you missed it, it was just it was just gone. And I remember in college, I was really into this show called uh, Lost. Anybody watch Lost? Yeah, right. So. Uh, I was, I was really into Lost, and I had friends that were really into Lost, and so we would have Lost parties every Wednesday night. We would watch Lost together, and then the next day, we would, like, discuss, like, what it was that was, ha- like, what is the monster? Is it, like, real? Are they dead? Are they alive? What's going on, you know? And so we were constantly, ba- you know, debating this or whatever, but the reality is I would, I would spend, like, you know, maybe, maybe an hour, you know, however long that show was, right? You'd take an hour, watch the show, and then, like, the next day we'd talk about this at lunch for, like, an hour, and then it would be done, and I would be like, okay, and now we move on, right? And what's weird is with streaming, I don't, I, like, it has changed the way I interact with human beings in a way that is truly actually astounding to me when I stop and think about it, because I've found that, like, it's really easy to relate to people based on, like, what shows we watch, right? Like, do you do this? I don't know. If, like, like, I'll meet somebody new and I'll be like, oh, like, uh, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like freaking out. Like, what do I talk about with this person? Like, oh, have you seen this show? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I like that show. And then we can talk about the show or whatever. But the reality is it's like radically changed the way I interact with human beings. Whereas before I would like talk about like, hey, like, who are your friends and who are your family and that type of thing because I didn't know a world where we could infinitely talk about television for forever. And so now it's like, well, I could just make friends based on the shows that we watch. And the reality is it's really, really easy when you're doing something like that to never actually go deeper than the surface level and actually get to know a person, right? Because you can talk about Ted Lasso for a really long time. I have every sermon that I preached for the last three weeks, right? Like the amount of time I've given to Ted from this stage is Scott's probably going to hit me when he gets back or something. He would never hit me. Um, he'll just tell me I need to do better. No, he would never do that. I'm just <laughs> He's probably watching right now. Um, <laughs> it's really, 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 it's, it's really easy for us to think that a tiny little bit of money doesn't really affect the outcome of our lives anyway. But my Netflix subscription or my Apple subscription or my, you know, have, there's like a bajillion of these now, right? Have actually dramatically impacted my life. They've impacted the way I interact with and relate to people in dramatic ways. A tiny little bit of money has changed the way I interact with and relate to people. And if that can be true on like a, like a tiny little like $15 a month subscription level, imagine what the aggregate of how we spend our money actually does, actually affects us. I mean, it can affect where you live. It can affect the people that you engage with and relate to and interact with. It can affect how you think about people. Just simply by a small little amount of money, our lives can radically change. 
And so what Jesus is saying here is really, really important, that where our treasure is, that's where our hearts are going to go. Where we invest our finances, that's going to change who we are in ways that we maybe wouldn't even recognize while it's happening because it happens in little tiny bits and pieces, but it, it changes us. And if we're talking about how there's an enormous amount of money being spent on guiding your attention and eventually your money is going to track where your attention goes, then it's incredibly important that we pay attention to what we are paying attention to and incredibly important that we pay attention to where our finances are going. And I'm not talking about giving to the church here. I'm just talking about consciously understanding how the money that we make and have and spend is impacting our lives and is it leading us to a place where we actually want to go is it making us and shaping us into the people that we were created and designed to be and desire to be in our hearts There's a, a, a guy, that, an author that I really like. His name is uh, Bob Goff. And I don't know uh, if you've ever read any of his books, but they're excellent and I would highly recommend them. One of the, one of the books that he wrote, uh, the first one that really kind of caught fire was called Love Does. And it's just a collection of stories from his life of loving people and like being with people. And one of the things that I admire the most about Bob Goff is that he does not watch television. He literally talks about in Love Does that the last time he watched a movie was Who Framed Roger Rabbit? which is hilarious to me. Uh, <clears throat> like, you should watch something else so you don't have to tell that story. But uh, at any rate, like, that's the last time he ever watched a movie or TV of any kind. Doesn't have a TV in his home, doesn't watch it. Why? Because it's a distraction from living the life that he wants to live. And this dude lives a crazy, crazy life. And I'll spare you all of the stories that, you know, I'd just be regurgitating that he tells and you should read the books. They're awesome. He lives an incredibly crazy life. And part of that is because he has said, I'm going to focus my time, effort, and attention, and money on living a life that I one day will stand before God and be super, super, super proud of. And that's what Jesus is getting at in this passage. He's saying where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to go. It's going to go there, and, and whether you recognize it or not in the moment, it's going to lead you to a life. And is it the life that you want and desire? This past week, my parents celebrated uh, 43 years of being married. Um, and, um, <clears throat> and so um, uh, we did, we did a, a vow renewal uh, ceremony uh, for them. And uh, so they were, they were married in St. Anne's Church in Annapolis, uh, so the church on Church Circle, if you've ever been to Annapolis, uh, 43 years ago. And, and so we, um, we did this vow renewal at, like, basically the exact time they were married, 43 years before. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, it was this incredibly, incredibly beautiful, uh, beautiful thing. And... Um, and the reason you might wonder, be wondering, like, why 43 years? Um, that's, you know, I don't know what, like, I don't know any of the, the like, 
anniversary things or whatever, like the gold, the silver, the diamond, platinum, grass, whatever it is. I don't know, uh, green, yellow, red, whatever it is. Uh, it's, I, don't know, I don't know any of them, but I know that 43 probably isn't one of them, right? It's not like one of the ones that you're like, hey, that one, like, this is really, really important, 43. Um, it's not nothing. I'm not saying that. It's just, you know, it's not 45, certainly not 50. But, um, but the reason that we uh, uh, did this vow renewal is because my dad planned it as a surprise for my mom. Um, and the reason that he planned it as a surprise for my mom is because in March he was diagnosed with multiple myeloma, which is incurable blood cancer. And so he wanted to do a, uh, a renewal uh, of their vows because, you know, the future is uncertain. And so, um, and so he called uh, his best man and her maid of honor and had them there and brought in our family and, um, and you know, my mom had no idea uh, that this was happening, um, or at least she says she had no idea. I don't, I don't know the truth yet, but um, I don't think she had an idea. So uh, brings, in, brings in all these people, plans this whole thing, um, they go to breakfast in Annapolis, and they're hanging out, driving around, and, um, and then they pull into the church, and we're all inside the church um, waiting for them to come in. <clears throat> and, um, and we did, uh, so we did the, the renewal, and my dad had a, a custom ring designed for my mom that she didn't know was coming, and it was beautiful, right? But uh, it, it was awesome. And in the middle of the, the ceremony, we, I just kind of opened up the floor for people to share um, about how my parents' marriage had impacted their life. And uh, so, you know, there's probably 20, 25 people there just all gathered around. And they, like, people just started sharing memories and moments and things that they had seen in my parents' marriage and in them as individuals that had really made an impact on their life. And it was this beautiful, beautiful moment of, like, stopping and reflecting on what really matters. And getting to hear how my parents, who are incredible people, have invested in people, in relationships, have loved them well. And what an incredible impact that made on how heaven had come to earth because of the way that they had lived in relationship with people and loved people well. And as we were going through that ceremony, I was thinking about this morning. And, and I was thinking about the way in which, honestly, I was just thinking about when I, when I stand before Jesus one day, I don't want to tell him about Ted Lasso. He's already, he already knows. He's watched it. <laughs> he knew before it came out. <clears throat> but when I stand before Jesus one day, I hope that what he tells me about is not Ted, but the relationships that I've invested in, the people that I've loved well, and that he tells me that he's proud of me for the way that I've done that. And it was like a really incredible and beautiful moment for, for our family. And it was kind of a wake-up call to me of like, man, like, it is so important how we live. It is so important. 
And if our money is going to dictate the outcome of our lives in ways that is beyond what we probably would fathom, how important is it that we actually stop and go, hey, where's this going? Like, how, how is it flowing through me and into things that bring eternity here, now, that bring heaven to earth here and now? And so as we wrap up this morning, I want to read... I want to read to you um, the words of a song uh, by a guy named Andy Grammer. Um, I would highly recommend you. uh, This is actually kind of like a spoken word piece that he uh, just released a few weeks ago. And I've been listening to it almost daily because it's such a good reminder. Um, uh, It's called I Need a New Money. And, And it's, yeah, I'll just read it to you. It's, it's a really cool way to kind of stop and think. It says, I need, uh, I'm not merely a, an epic, uh, okay, I'm sorry, start over. <clears throat> Here we go. I'm not merely an economic unit, I'm human. How far off are we that that can sound confusing? I want to strive for more, but oftentimes I don't know how to. I need a new money that measures my inherent value. What's your salary? What's your rate? What's your hourly wage? What's your position, your commission? How much are you for the day? When we meet somebody new, what's the first thing that we say? What do you do, a.k.a. how much money do you make? And then we take that information and we sort it in our brains, assess the value, calculate where to put them on the page, the hierarchy of importance. I mean, this is just insane. You're telling me that we've agreed to tie self-worth to what we're paid? You're telling me that we've agreed to tie self-worth to what we're paid? Well, what a grave mistake to make. What terrible advice to take. If the scoreboard counts in dollars, what kind of game do you think we'll play? Then he goes on. He says, I need a new money that measures my inherent value. What if the scoreboard tallied love? What if the stock market valued love? What if your 401k was judged by how much you lifted others up? What if the best we could get was love? What if we were impressed with love? What if the status in class was love? What if it mattered how much you loved? What if money was not enough? What if we worked nine to five for love? What if the point of this life was love? What if the point of this life was love? So as we head into a time of communion this morning, I I just want to ask you to, to just stop and reflect. Reflect on the things that you're giving your time and attention to. Evaluate, maybe this week. Am I spending my money in ways that are sending my heart to a place that I actually want to follow it? And maybe, maybe a next step for that is to say, hey, I'm going to take some time and, and show up next week and, and come to serve Sunday or come to uh, serve on Saturday with <clears throat> 10, 12 sports. Maybe it's to be generous, to take a subscription, cancel it, and take that amount of money and point it in a generous way that's going to lead you to a life that you were created and designed for. Just to spend some time reflecting. It is so easy for us to be distracted. Our attention is being sought after being manipulated 
And so we've got to pay attention to what we think about, to how we spend our money, so that we live the life that God designed us for, a life of love that was demonstrated by his son for us. Not only in his sacrifice, but also in the way that he actually lived and the way that he invested in people and in relationships. To the extent that 2,000 years ago today, we are still celebrating and recognizing his impact on humanity. So now we're gonna receive communion. And that is a celebration of Jesus' love for us as demonstrated by his sacrifice, that he laid down his life and allowed his body to be broken. That's why we eat the little piece of cracker and his blood to be poured out to pay the price for our brokenness so that we could be reunited with God so that we would know how loved we are and so that God's love, not just for us, would live in us, but his love for every single human being on this planet would live in us and heaven would come to earth because of that. I'm gonna pray for us. Whenever you're ready, you can come and receive communion. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful for Jesus. We're so grateful for the way that you have demonstrated your love for us. We're grateful for these symbols that we'll hold in our hands, that we'll partake in to remind us of your love. God, may your love dwell in us. May we know that our value comes not because of what we get paid or who pays attention to us, but because you, you are attentive to everything about us in ways that we can't even fathom. You love us more than we could ever fathom. God, I pray that we would receive that love and that it would flow out of our lives and into every life that we encounter every person that we encounter. I ask this in Jesus' name.